great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head along, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. I hope you are bundled up and staying warm out there. Good Lord, it's cold, y'all. 33 when I got in my car this morning. Tonight, mix of clouds and sun, cool high of 58, but, uh, or excuse me, today rather. And then tonight, partly cloudy, low of 35. Going to stay cold. Like the Pelican shooting in the fourth quarter. Ice cold. Yeah. Like that online casino when you place money on your prop bets for the Super Bowl and you come up short on just about all of them. Ice cold. We got a great show for you this morning, guys. Coming up at 7.15... Director of Basketball Operations for UL Basketball, Mike Murphy. Coach Murphy joining me today. Uh, Bob Marlin will be returning to the team uh, tomorrow. Coming off of his COVID-19 positive test from over a week ago. He's been quarantining. And um, he will, uh, I'm guessing next Tuesday, he will be back on the show with me. But for the time being, it'll be Murphy today. Coach Gary brought it at 7.30. Jay Walker in studio at 8. We'll go through some. Super Bowl bets, prop bets, and a little terrible tune Tuesday, among other things. Speaking of Jay, you know, I wasn't in yesterday, but my goodness. What a finish on Saturday, guys. Are you kidding me? It'll be small to feed it in, and the Cajuns have got to try to get an immediate foul. Cajuns will not guard the inbounds pass. And there's a steal. Bucks. Good. Four-tenths of a second remaining. And timeout. Cajuns. Holy cow. They got a steal on the inbounds pass. And Devin Butts hits a layup with .4 to go. Oh, my. 74-73. Louisiana leads. Ho, 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 ho. Goodness. There you have it. We'll have some fun with that with Jay. And uh, what a crazy finish, man. I mean, honestly, you get a steal to take a one-point lead. Steal on an inbounds pass. What are you doing passing the ball into the bucket if you're Texas State? But Devin Butts was there. He was ready. The Cajuns right now, both the men and the women, atop the Sun Belt. Women atop the Sun Belt West. The men have the best overall record right now in the Sun Belt. What a weekend it was to go in and get a sweep. Cedric Russell, the conference player of the week, the LSWA player of the week. Oh, man. It was awesome. It was awesome. You know, you think to some great finishes over the years. We'll, uh, we'll talk to Jay about that in the 8 o'clock hour. 
So the Super Bowl is what, five days away? And the prop bets are out. Now, when you're making a prop bet, guys, no, I'm not a professional better, but it doesn't mean I can't give you advice. As somebody that knows a lot of people that bet and make the same mistakes, listen, two-sided props are good. Two-sided prop bets, they're good, right? A yes or no. Will Brady throw an answer? No. Well, yes, he will, by the way. Uh, over under four net rushing yards or Mahomes passing yards, Travis Kelsey receiving yards, whatever it is, Gronk catches. Over under prop bets are good, right? There's not, there's nothing hidden in there by the better. You don't want to do one sided bets. There aren't many of those, but they're all, they're all these like ridiculous bets that anyone who puts money on is just, they're just throwing their money away. They're just bored. Like, will the weekend, who's the artist that's performing at halftime, will the weekend land on the field on a spaceship? No. I mean, you could you, you bet yes for $5,000. And then there is no no to bet on. It's just, you know, plus 5000 They Just don't, don't waste your money. And I think there is a difference between your long shot bets and your extra long lotto type bets. Even though we've had some safeties in the Super Bowl recently, that's usually a long bet. Okay. Lotto type bet, big payout. You know, you, you got if you if you vote no, or if you if you bet no rather, you got to spend a whole lot of money just to come out with a little bit. You want to stay away from those. Now, you know, a long shot, a five to one, a six to one, a couple of those are okay. You don't want to get too carried away. A couple of those are all right. When it comes to over-unders, pay attention to trends at the beginning of the game, early in the game, right? Before the lines begin to move, before everybody tries to adjust. For example, Tom Brady. The Bucks, first quarter points, first half points. I get it's a different team. He's not on the Patriots anymore. But Tom Brady's played nine Super Bowls. Do you know how many first quarter points his teams have scored in Super Bowls? Over nine Super Bowls, not talking average, just total, total points. Anybody? Anybody? Three. Three. All time. All time. So when you see bets like who scores the first touchdown, probably don't want to have anything associated with Brady. Even if it's a Brady pass, Brady, anything like that. Because it ain't happening. You can bet on his first pass, complete minus 200. Incomplete or sack, plus 175. Interception, plus 1,800. Give me the incomplete. Come on. Early on? Early on? Yeah. ESPN 1420, ESPN 1420.com. And the ESPN 1420 app. Happy to have you guys with me here this morning. 
Um, was not able to come in yesterday. A little family situation arose, but everything's good. Appreciate Steve filling in. Prop bets. Oh, there's some good ones. There's a lot of them. We'll get into them. Some of the more uh, outside the box ones, box ones that you you only see when it comes to the Super Bowl. But we'll go over that with uh, with Jay Walker a little bit later. National anthem, where to go with it. I always love talking bets with Jay. You can bet on this. Going to be joined by some coaches every Tuesday. Working on some coaches tomorrow as well. Uh, Mike Murphy, Gary Broadhead this morning. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Brandon Stokely, former Raging Cajun NFL wide receiver, two-time Super Bowl champ, as well as Coach Jerry Glasgow, UL softball, and working on getting Billy Napier on as well, the Cajun football coach, as the Cajuns are um, – Going to sign, uh, expect to sign a few more players tomorrow, National Signing Day. You know, the hoopla of National Signing Day isn't what it used to be due to early National Signing Day, which I'm good, I'm good with. Works for me. But got some big shows in store for you this week. Well, when we come back, first place in the Sunbelt Conference, and my goodness, an ending on Saturday that will be remembered by Cajun basketball fans forever. That's one you don't forget. What a crazy finish. You know, when I watched it happen, I was like, this is awesome for UL. This is also something that would happen against the Pelicans. They would have been Texas State in this situation. They would have turned it over under their own goal with seconds left up one and then given up a layup. And, and and shout out to Butts, who, like, just with ease, didn't overthink it, didn't rush it, knew, eh, got enough time here, and sunk the basket with .4 left. We'll talk to Coach Mike Murphy about that and more up next right here. It's the Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap that app. The ESPN 1420 app. Available for download in the App Store and Google Play. Download and tap away. It'll be small to feed it in, and the Cajuns have got to try to get an immediate foul. Cajuns will not guard the inbounds pass. And there's a steal. Bucks, good. Four-tenths of a second remaining. And timeout, Cajuns. Holy cow. They got a steal on the inbounds pass, and Devin Butts hits a layup with .4 to go. Oh, my! 74-73, Louisiana leads! <laughs> my goodness! Yeah, this Scott Prather guy's kind of weird, eh? Give me back my son! The Great Scott Show on Sports Radio ESPN 1420. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Joining me now, Director of Basketball Operations for Louisiana's Raging Cajuns, Coach Mike Murphy. Well, Coach, uh, to go to San Marcos and come away with two wins, both of them really close, um, 
very exciting. A crazy finish on Saturday. I know you're without Coach Bob Marlin on the road, but my guess is that bus trip back um, late Saturday night must have felt pretty good. Yeah, it really did. Makes the trip a little shorter. <laughs> Man, I, let, let's just let's just start with the play there. Um, uh, were you are <laughs> were you surprised that Texas State inbounded the ball under their own rim? Here's what we did. We we took uh, Duke Gay and, and made him an extra defender in, in the uh, in the front court, back court, so to speak, as a safety. You know, trying to take away anything going long, which really forced them to try to throw the ball in uh, short, which really wasn't that you know big a deal. I mean, with, with three point four, all you got to do is get the ball in. It's man to man coverage. Um, that was really their only option at that point. And here's what you got to realize if you, if you try to throw it long. If you throw it long and it goes out of bounds, it doesn't touch anybody. Now, we get the ball back under our own goal. So I really can't, and I mean, it is what it is, but I don't think it was that big a deal them trying to throw it short under our goal because we had made a nice adjustment of taking due and making him that extra defender, trying to take away that long pass. It was, uh, what, what is it about this team that seems to have a knack for um, winning really close games this year outside of maybe an overtime loss to Little Rock? I know the night before that game, y'all beat them by two. Uh, the majority of these one possession games this year, you guys have come out on top. Yeah, I think that's a real credit to the staff and the players because they're the ones who have to go out and execute and grind and and play every possession. Now, we, we talk about this all the time. Every possession makes a difference. It's a difference in that possession. And uh, the guys have kind of bought into that. And it's really something special to see. I hope this will will help us come tournament time because these are tournament-type games, especially the second game in San Marcos where there were 12 lead changes and 12 ties. So you really had a punch-counterpunch for the entire game. But it all goes down to preparation, the process you have, the uh, uh, the way you conduct practice. We go over special situations all the time. You never know when you're going to need them, uh, what the common score is going to be. We work on that constantly, and, and this seems to be working out for us. But once again, all the credit has to go to the players. Coaches do a great job at scheming, but at the end of the day, the players have to go out and execute. We've been able to do that. Well, and there was the extra challenge, Coach, of not having head coach Bob Marlin with you in person as he uh, was recovering from COVID-19. I know uh, he is expected to return to the team in day-to-day operations tomorrow. You told us that yesterday. Um, but outside of um, you know divvying up the coaching duties amongst the rest of the staff, wh- where do you where was the biggest? I guess uh, what was ha- what, what was the most unique thing like in terms of? Oh yeah, that's right. One of us has to do this. Like, was there something Friday or Saturday where you're like, this is where we're we're really missing Bob here? Well, yeah, it's it's that singular voice and it's making decisions. Um, on the fly. That's what makes basketball so unique from any other sport. We don't have time in between snaps. We don't have time in between pitches. You've got to go from offense to defense at the blink of an eye, a snap of a finger. And, and players have to be able to play both sides of the ball. So it's that experience you have with, with someone like Coach Mullen, who's, who's been a head coach for so long and had so much success, that you lose that singular voice. Now, having said that, he was in constant contact with us throughout the week. We had he had meetings every day with the staff. He had meetings every day with the players. Uh, he spoke with us and met with us before and after the games. 
in San Marcos. So his handprint was all over the game plan there physically. And sometimes that can be a little jarring. Now, I think he's done a really good job with the coaches and the staff in defining roles, what's your responsibility. He's done the same thing with the players. And when you do that and guys focus on just doing their job, not somebody else's job, but just their job, I think you put yourself in a position to be effective and efficient no matter who is there, player or coach. And that's something you do in practice, and that's the real importance and that's the real effectiveness of, of quality practice and how you structure it and run it and the things you emphasize. Five in a row for Louisiana as they are uh, thirteen and four overall. They are seven and three in conference play, which currently is best in the Sun Belt. Cedric Russell averaged twenty two and a half over the weekend. Uh, the senior from Alexandria coached LSWA and Sun Belt Player of the Week. Aside from just looking at his stat line or folks that watched the game, what's something he did that the common fan may not notice? But as a staff and it's a team, you're like, you know what, Cedric, right here. This was huge. Well, it was really throughout the entire game. And I liked, I liked his mental approach and practice to the game. Without Coach there, I think he really took an extra lead in terms of being a leader. He's a senior, as you said. He's played a lot of basketball for us. And, and he was a little bit more vocal than usual this past week. Uh, Cedric's a quiet guy. He lets his play do his talking. But he was a little bit more, vo- more vocal, stepped out of his shell a little bit. Um, which is not something he's really comfortable with. Uh, and, and I thought he showed great leadership throughout the week um, in practice, which was uh, one reason we were effective in the game. And then during the game, you know, I really appreciate his, his lack of emotion. And here's why I say that. He doesn't get too high or he doesn't get too low. He's a real steady force, a really steady presence during the game, which is something you have to have, especially in a game like Saturday where you had 12 lead changes and 12 ties. On Saturday, we led the game for almost 37 minutes. So even though it was a one-possession game, we, we really, I thought, we control that game. But Saturday, it was a punch-counterpunch, and that's why I really appreciate it. ESPN1420.com, Coach Mike Murphy, our guest director of basketball operations for Louisiana's Ragin' Cajuns. Um, the chemistry of this team, Coach, Compared to, let's just say, a season ago and, and some of these close, how much is the chemistry, uh, give me like a percentage-wise, in terms of how big of a factor it is in winning these close games, where would you put team chemistry in terms of if you had to just say this much percent is why? That question well, makes sense. Well, I think sense. it's 100%. Um, chemistry uh, equates to trust, which equates to accountability. And, and I think that's, that, that's 100% of what you have to have to be a successful program, regardless of the sport. And really, Scott, regardless of what the score is, you know, how you win is irrelevant. The point is guys play every possession to the best of their ability, and they're willing to do their job. That's the mantra, right? That's the slogan. And hold each other accountable to that. And, and when you have that, you have some trust, which means when I make that extra pass, I trust that guy's going to make the right decision. He's going to make. He's going to take the right shot. Well, he's going to look for the better shot. And you have the same thing on defense. Okay, I'm guarding the ball. I got to make sure somebody's helping guard the ball and somebody's guarding the basket. So chemistry, I think, is critical to anything you do, regardless of your of your profession, uh, to have success. Because without it, you have a bunch of individuals, and that's when you're at your weakest. 
Good. You're at your strongest when you work as a team, and chemistry is 100% about that. And, you know, I think with the um, – obviously the oddity of the season coach and not having as many reps and time together leading up to the season – Having um, a, a you know a, I would say a fairly large turnover in the roster from a season ago, it seems like from the outside just watching you guys and following you that this chemistry has you saw the makings of what it could be early in the season and I think you're seeing really the fruits of that labor here over the last two weeks. You really are, and let's remember it's a fine line between winning and losing, regardless of the sport, and there's so many things that go into it on a daily basis. It's not just the coaches, it's not just the players, but it's the administration. It's our trainers, it's our managers. I mean, B.J. DePlantis does a great job in getting our guys to the floor and getting them as healthy as they can be. James Lang, our strength coach, is a very important uh, part of what we do. Uh, Kalen Stitch, you know, who, Stitcher, who, who does our nutrition. This is a huge team effort. It's not just one entity, one individual. And going, that's going back to your chemistry aspect and, and the programming room with the process and the structure. Uh, so this is a real team effort, and it's not just about one person. All right, final question for you, non-basketball. What's Coach Mike Murphy's favorite cocktail? Man, I don't drink a lot, but I tell you what, I, uh, I thought about what you asked me last week. I think Randy from Looking Grass, it will get my toes back. Okay. You know, I think okay. you could loop that about once every hour. You know, I think the Rubber Band Man by, by uh, uh, the Skinners, same thing, you know. Um, and then there's that group called Portugal, the man, and what's name? Feeling it still, and, and Happy by Pharrell. You play those four songs, four songs every every year, every every hour, and I'm a happy man. All right, so right now you're kind of dancing a little? Oh, yeah. All right. So much, so much grace and rubber in one man? No. <laughs> Coach Mike Murphy has been our guest. Coach, uh, congrats on the wins, and um, I'm glad Coach Marlin gets to come back to the team tomorrow. We'll look forward to chatting with him next week, but thank you for taking the time the last two weeks. And um, you know what? Just get to dance into your Tuesday with Rubber Band Man. Just keep on keeping on. Go Cajuns. Thank you, Coach. All right, Coach uh, Broadhead, the Raging Cajun women's basketball coach, will join me in one minute. Keep it locked in. Don't go anywhere. I'm
All right, keep your toes tapping here on uh, Tuesday morning. I'm Scott Prather. It's the Great Scott Show, and as promised, joining me now, head coach of the Louisiana Rage of Cajun women's basketball team, Gary Broadhead. His team has won six games in a row. They are 6-1 and one in conference play, sit atop the Sun Belt West Division um, and behind the overall lead in the Sun Belt from, uh, by only a half game. So they are, uh, they are playing really well right now and coming off of an impressive performance over the weekend. Here to chat with us about it is Coach Gary. Let me, get, let me, let me just get anything that some may be perceived as negative, others may perceive it as learning. What's something over the weekend you felt like you guys could have done better before we get into the good stuff? Well, you know, I thought we didn't shoot it, shoot it as well. You know, we weren't as consistent uh, in, the, in the way we shot the ball. But, uh, you know, we, first quarter we were kind of slow coming up offensively. And then, and then on the defensive side, we could, have, uh, we could have pressed a little bit better. You know, we, we, uh, our, our rotations wasn't quite as, as uh, sharp and stuff. But, you know, but we, you know it was, it, being more consistent, I guess, would be the main thing, you know, trying to be uh, – yeah. So, uh, I I I gotta just out the gate. Were you uh, when when Sky's getting ready to shoot those two free throws Friday night at the end? Any nerves from Gary? Like, what happens when it's late in the game and you're either breaking a tie or trying to, you know, maybe you're down one when a player's stepping up to the free throw line for your team? Does it is the feeling different when it's one of your players at the line as opposed to say an opponent in that situation? Yeah, it is. But, you know, in that situation, I felt real comfortable uh, and confident in, in Sky, you know, because she's uh, shooting right at 80% from the free throw line. And, you know, but to me, it's like when there's one or two minutes left and they're fouling you, uh, I get a little bit more antsy because they're trying to foul somebody that maybe not as great a foul shooter. But when they fouled her, you know, I thought uh, I, I felt pretty comfortable that she was going to make it. Gary Broadhead, our guest. Well, just from from uh, um, you know listening to the games, coach, and uh, hearing you talk a little bit after the one on Friday, and you were asked questions about the lineup. I'm just looking at bench points, man. I mean, where you guys had a big advantage over the weekend in two close games was scoring off of the bench. Um, did you anticipate having that kind of production? And when you do start getting, you know, whether it be Alexandria Goodley or Destiny McAfee, uh, do you end up playing maybe some players off the bench longer than you anticipate going into a game just because of how they're shooting the basketball? Uh, no doubt. You know, uh, I, I really believe that uh, our bench is instant offense. Uh, I think we have a lot of talent on the bench. It's just that, that some of the things that, like, type of defense we play kind of keeps them off sometimes. But then when they come off the bench, I mean, they, they're looking to score, you know. What I mean? And so we're going to get a lot of production, I think. And uh, I think it's a big plus for our team, something that we never had before. But, uh, you know, Maymay Hallman and, you know, Alex Goodley and, and with D-Mac. And, you know, you, you had the little freshman come in, uh, uh, Tamara. Johnson come in and, and and score eight points within about ten minutes, you know. Yeah. So yeah, they bring a lot, you know. Very very talented. You you yeah. you mentioned Johnson. Was that? I mean, some of us are sitting back saying, "Where did that come from? Did that surprise you at all, or is that something you see consistently in practice from?" 
No, I can see it. I can see it. You know, I think I think for most of those kids, it's more nerves. You know, to kind of calm them down and all that. But they, 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 you know, they can come off and and, and score, man. And that, that's exciting, you know, for us because now we're we're rotating people in, and and we might not start as strong offensively, a little bit stronger defensively, and then and then all of a sudden you got some kids come in that can score. I mean, Goodley, uh, obviously, instant offense. Maybe we should call her grits, just instant grits, just comes in there, put it in the microwave, the points are there. And then from beyond the arc, Coach, her ability to uh, to stretch the floor from you guys, I mean, she was big in the three-point game. Yeah, no doubt. You know, she had a great week shooting the ball, you know. You know she spent a lot of extra time shooting it. And uh, I could see she was confident because the ball was going in, man. I mean, you could, you could tell all week and – and I grabbed her a couple of times. And I'm like, that's what that's what we need from you. You know, you need to be able to knock down that open shot. And uh, she did. They were they were big shots. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. All right. Well, uh, yesterday that uh, one of the two makeup games that that were postponed back in January against UTA is going to be played Monday. So you've been through the three uh, three games in four days already. When you guys went to Arkansas and got two wins over Arkansas State and then beat Little Rock on the road. Um, is the approach any different home? Is there an advantage having that many games at home in a short amount of time? I think the obvious answer someone would say is yes, but you've been on the other side of it and it worked out pretty well for you. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes both ways. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'd rather be at home though, to be honest with you. We'll get to, uh, to play in the dome and we'll play those two games Friday, Saturday, practice Sunday and, uh, and get ready. So, and it actually, it's kind of similar to what we did. At, you know, we played Arkansas State, so we'll prepare the same way. And, and it's just that the difference would be uh, UTA instead of Little Rock. Coach Gary Broadhead, so, our guest, I mean, ESPN 1420. Um, going back to last weekend for just a moment, I mean, Ty Doucette, she uh, a couple of milestones for her. Uh, she became the 19th player in program history to eclipse the 1,000-point mark on Friday. Uh, and then I believe on Saturday, if I, you correct me if I'm wrong, Coach, I think the third player in school history to have uh, 100 or more blocks in her career. Uh, when you have a player that you've just seen put in the time, you've been with them for a while, start to cross some of those milestones, do you ever take a moment to just sit down and talk with them about it? Does the team recognize it? Which, what's you and the player's approach when they start accomplishing things that puts them in – pretty elite company when you look at the the 50-year history of the program yeah it's pretty it's pretty neat you know i started recruiting todd you said in the eighth grade so i've been knowing her for a long time you know and we always joke that we're cousins you know my wife was a set and she you know so uh she's part of the family but you know for todd we we, we don't really have to talk about things i mean i can she and she understands what how the importance of what she just did and and that she was kind of shying off uh in the game you know when she scored a thousand everybody was excited for her and the ph you know just kind of announced and all that and she was just like no no hold on, we got to win this game you know she's more worried about winning the game than what, what she accomplished you know and i i think the big thing too is people don't realize her 100 blocks is a pretty big deal because uh, our program, we don't block shots. You know, we take charges, we help over, and for her to be able to do that uh, in a program like ours is pretty big. 
Did you yeah. did you did you she know she was as kid. did you know she was as close as she was heading into the weekend in terms of blocks? Yeah, yeah, I knew I knew it. Uh, we had been talking about it, and I would tease her at practice when she'd block a shot. I said, "Oh, too bad we can't count this one." And you know, and so yeah, she's uh, it was exciting uh, for us, you know, and for me to know that we recruited a kid knowing. Uh, that she was going to be that productive, you know. We just felt that, you know, since the eighth grade year, I could tell she she could score and she's just athletic and she was going to fit our program. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com, Coach. I know earlier this season you guys dropped a, a few close contests. I think a five point game at LSU, three point game in Russ. If I'm not mistaken, but where I'm going with this is, if you look at the overtime win in Jonesboro. Uh, week before last, if you look at the two wins this weekend, you know, being in these close games and winning them, I thought back to something you said earlier in the season when you guys were playing most of your games on the road and losing some tough ones, and you said, you know, the only way to get better is to put ourselves in this situation, is to play and be in these close games. If you don't have those close calls earlier in the season – does it play out the same way over this weekend? Are you guys as prepared last week and this week to close the door in those tight situations? No, I I, I don't think so. You know, I think uh, you know playing LSU and that environment, how close the game was, and, and uh, you know how we had to fight back to come back. Louisiana Tech, you know, it was on a foul call that they went to the free throw line to to win the game. So. It was really uh, had some opportunities to win. But, you know, when you have experience on a team like we have, I think it, it kind of goes a long way. And, and so, you know, that was uh, big. You know, you know, we only played five games before uh, we started conference, but all five of them were extremely important, you know. The only one that was not a, a close game was the Rice game, you know. And Rice is, you know, top, top 40 uh, RPI and, and so a pretty good team. So, yeah, I, I think each each game kind of helped us to to feel more comfortable together and to fight back. And, you know, that's what I like, man. I tell you, every game uh, so far in conference, you know, we had to kind of fight and, uh, and, and you know, finish it off with making stops on, on the defensive side. ESPN 1420.com. Now you guys welcome Arkansas State this weekend. Coach Gary Broadhead, our guest, uh, just two weeks ago, they were four zero in conference, nine and one overall. I know they've they've dropped four straight, but um, you know if you look at their entire body of work this year, they've they've had some success on the floor. Coach, how do you guys biggest key? I guess this weekend when you look at Arkansas State, what they like to do, what's the number one key this weekend? You guys continuing this winning streak? Well, they I mean they're so offensive oriented. They uh their offensive transition game is really, really good. I mean they rebound and push. And that was come something that we kinda of struggled with, you know, uh when we're missing shots and they're getting rebounds and pushing. So our our defensive transition is gonna be big. You know, can we get back and cover out and and that's why we played, you know, we played all the kids with experience. They understand that in the in the defensive transition, they don't really have a man. They just gotta got to pick up the ball and then you know you got to pick up men in your area and we got to know where shooters are and all that so and that, that they make that tough they do a good job you know uh, matt daniels does a great job on the offensive side so yeah so that that'll be big for us 
All right, great stuff. Uh, Coach Gary Broadhead has been our guest, ESPN1420.com. Coach, we've talked to you about basketball. Obviously, we've also talked to you about music. Um, if, if you know, you're, you're, you're an adult coach. If you just wanted to relax a little bit, maybe just have one cocktail to calm down or something, what, what's, what, what are you going with? Are you just going with a simple you know, beer, or are you going with like something different? What, how, does, how does Gary like to relax? I'm going to surprise you, man. Uh, I, I like a margarita, man. You know what? Yeah, I, I really do. I don't know that 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 actually. I think that actually makes sense. Now, like I, I, I gotta stay away from margaritas. A little too much sugar for me, but I could see you as a margarita guy. I think that that doesn't surprise me that much. I, that, not bad. You know, Gary. they uh, they they closed down Dick's um, uh, drive-through over on the road, uh-huh. so that was some of the best margaritas that you could ask for. And they just built the El Paso. Uh, in Sugar Mill, right behind my house. I live in Sugar Mill, so so uh, I'm, I got kind of lucky, you know. That's perfect. You know, you need to relax. Stressful day. I'm just going to walk to El Paso, you know, maybe get some queso, a margarita. Come on. I mean, that's when you need to relax. That's, uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Coach, man, I appreciate you joining us every uh, every Tuesday morning. Uh, congrats on another win. Uh, six straight. You guys are playing great right now. And um, good luck this weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Go Cajuns. You got it. There's Raging Cajun Women's Basketball Coach Gary Broadhead. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, been talking hoops the last 30 minutes. We'll shift gears, talk some football, and hit on, you know, talking about Super Bowl betting. We're going to revisit that in the 8 o'clock hour with Jay Bird. Um, the trade that unfolded Saturday night. Golf to the Lions, some of the reports now coming out of L.A. Does it really make sense? Is it too much? What does it mean to the Watson trade? And why folks are, I think, missing the point in the Texans-Watson trade talk. Oh, it's going to cost them a fortune. See, Watson has the edge with the no-trade clause, but the Texans, how do you counter that? I'll explain next, ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Traffic update for you guys. There is a um, accident, vehicle accident with injuries. Twenty-seven thirty South Fieldspan Parish. Uh, be careful, sheriff and fire department. They're assisting. Another accident, uh, not an accident, rather a stalled vehicle uh, being reported on the corner of North College and Johnson Street, and police are there assisting. That was as of 10 minutes ago, so that's creating a little bit of a uh, bottleneck, and so be careful out there. Weather update from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. Tonight, mix of clouds and sun. Excuse me, today, mix of clouds and sun. Cool, high of 58. Tonight, partly cloudy, a low of 35. It's too dang cold, man. Too dang cold. Welcome back into the show. So Saturday night, a rare Saturday night, well, actually, actually wasn't at home. And 
get word that a big trade has happened in the NFL. It's funny because I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. He's like, who thinks starting quarterback for the Saints next year? I said, I put about 40% Winston, 40% Hill, maybe, you know, maybe 10% Stafford, 10% the field. And then all of a sudden he looks at his watch. He's like, oh, Stafford just got traded, actually. It just happened. I'm like, what? Yeah, right. Nope. The Rams, who will now go seven consecutive years without a first-round pick. That, that's, that's where they're on right now. That is a haul to give them their starting quarterback in exchange for a starting quarterback, Jared Goff, who now reports out of L.A. Doug Gottlieb's talked to people on the team, and he's reporting that they didn't trust his work ethic. They didn't like him. They didn't want to rally around him. Okay. He also, in a group message, accidentally put that he would like to, um, you know, with Sean McVay. Oh, shoot, coach. Didn't know you were on this thread. That might that, that could make things awkward. Just want to throw that out there. Let's not leave that part out. But I digress. Getting back to the matter at hand. Stafford to the Rams in exchange for golf a third-round pick in 2021, a first-round pick in 2022, and a first-round pick in 2023. They couldn't give them a first-round pick this year because they didn't have one. I mean, Stafford, Stafford is good, but my goodness, that is a load of picks. Now, part of it that you got to remember is the salary goes out as well, and the Rams were looking to dump a lot of that. It's vastly different than golf's in terms of what's left and the amount of cap hits and things like that. Two number one overall picks traded for one another. So, I uh, Stafford does seem like the ideal fit for Sean McVay's system. He does still have arm talent. But the Rams do not value draft capital at all. And it seems like, oh, yeah, you give it up early, you know, you make a run for it, you got to a Super Bowl that you didn't belong in, Rams asterisks. And and last year you weren't in. And then this year you got in, but they were, what, 9-7? and seven? Okay, they won a game, then they lost one. Like, are they really that close? They feel like it. But they were desperate to get rid of golf. That's as much of this deal as it is the Lions just – Parting ways with Matt Stafford. I do not think this automatically makes the Rams the favorite in the in the in the. I certainly don't think it makes them the favorite in the NFC. There's some argument that maybe it makes them the favorite in the NFC West. Possibly, it doesn't hurt, but that 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 division's pretty loaded. But here's the other side of it. Once the surprise news wore off, it was wow. If the Rams got that, what are the Texans going to want? And then a report came out. I forget the reporter's name, and I apologize. On Twitter of Texans looking for two firsts, two seconds, uh, two defensive players, and something else. But also, they're not looking to trade Watson. Here is the unique situation here. So, from Watson's standpoint, he's got the no-trade clause. So, if a bottom feeder franchise like the Jets wants to go ahead and put together a package and give up all kinds of assets, Watson could say, nah, not good with it. Then they can't make that trade. 
He's got no trade clause. He can determine whether or not he wants to accept a trade or not. But the flip side of that is if you're Houston and you're new head coach David Culley and you come in and you say, I am operating with the um, expectation that Watson will be here, we're going to build around him, we're going to do everything, he is the franchise, and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. If, you're, if your goal, and it should be, is to truly keep Deshaun Watson, and it should be, and make him happy, and it should be. Yeah, you're going to drive up the cost to where it's basically, okay, we can't, we can't meet that. That's too much. And any team that might be desperate enough to actually say, we'll give up all of that, would likely be a team like the Jets that Watson would say, eh, thanks, but no thanks. So in essence, if you're the Texans, you do say we don't want to trade them, but you also leak a, a ridiculous deal in, in, in things that you want to exchange for them in, in hopes that no viable team that he'd actually want to go to is going to offer this much. Maybe another team will. He's forced to turn them down, and then we could say, look, man, I mean, you said you wanted to be traded. We, we had an offer on the table, but you didn't want to go. Let's just try to make this work. Now, everyone assumes it's the Texans. They're going to probably screw it up and, and not get a lot back for them. And you know what? That's actually probably a fair assumption. Don't go anywhere. Jay Walker joins me next. On a Tuesday, we'll listen to his call of that epic finish, Marcus. We'll each have a TTT, Super Bowl prop bets, and more. It's all coming your way on The Great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. We're right back right after this. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by The Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour on a Tuesday. Steal the show. I'm Scott Prather. Jay Walker. Oh, my word, Jay. Is in the house. You know, I just said that. I just said that to Michael Dot Scott. We were outside before I came in. And uh, he said something, and I said, oh, my word, Jay. I see. Uh-huh. Oh my! What was after what? Trostclair's Grand Slam. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Schneider. See, when something like that happens in sports, and you're calling a game, you just don't know what's going to come out, right? Right. Like, like, like Schneider probably he might maybe has never said that in his entire life. Oh my word, Jay! The only person, honest to God, I mean, it sounds cliche. The only person I know that said, oh, my word, was my late grandmother who lived till she was 95, passed away about four years ago. I spent a lot of time with her, grew up around her, and she would say, oh, my word, and oh, my star. Oh, my star. Oh, my star. Mm -hmm. Oh, my word. She's from Georgia. I'd never heard anyone say it other than her until Schneider. Oh, Jay. Now, you didn't say, oh, my word, on Saturday night, but you did you even remember what you said? No. 
No, uh, I, I, you know, somebody would have asked me right after the game. All right, we're, we're getting on the bus. We're getting ready to go home. Right. And uh, let's say Brock Morris said, oh, man, what did you say? I would have said, I have no idea. When, it's, when it happens like that and it's spontaneous, it just comes out of your mouth, and, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. It'll be small to feed it in, and the Cajuns have got to try to get an immediate foul. Cajuns will not guard the inbounds pass. And there's a steal. Bucks. Good. Four-tenths of a second remaining. And timeout, Cajuns. Holy cow. They got a steal on the inbounds pass, and Devin Butts hits a layup with point four to go. Oh, my. 74-73, Louisiana leads. <laughs> my goodness. Michael Murphy. That's great. Uh, when he listened to it, he said, wow, you got... Harry Carey and Dick Enberg in the same sentence, and I and and it's true. He told you that, yeah. See, I played it for him last hour. He's like, I haven't heard it yet. Oh, a liar! <laughs> <laughs> that was quite a moment, man. I mean, in terms of crazy finishes, right up there with anything I've ever experienced. It, to steal, like you know what I thought, like not in the when I, in the moment, I was like, kind of like you, I was like, wow. That holy cow! Like that was nuts. And then, like later that night, I was like, "This is something that would happen against the Pelicans." So it's not believable to me, but it's pretty cool that you got to be on the winning side of it and call it in the moment. You know, I um, the one game, and th- and this went against the Cajuns, and it was in a different sport. The one game that had a stunning conclusion like that was the football game at Florida when when they blocked the oh, punt with 15 seconds left and final and, play of the and, game. and took it in for for a touchdown um Ugh. but that's that's about the only thing I can think of in in my career that's been wow you know yeah I mean just I, I could think of some I'm trying to think of other wild finishes I mean you've you've called some buzzer beaters you and that, and that one wasn't a buzzer beater but it was in a lot of ways it was more more unbelievable. I, I remember a game, and it was a, a game I did on television. It was before I was on the radio broadcast. Uh, were playing the University of Houston, and they were down 10 with like a minute five to go. It was kind of like that Texas Tech LSU game the other day. And uh, they wound up tying the game, sending it into overtime, and then hit about a 28-footer at the buzzer to win it in OT on a, on a shot by Earl Watkins. You know, that was pretty unusual, too, because you're down 10 with a minute to go, and, and you come back and win. Um, but we saw that, like I said, we saw that again on Saturday um, with Texas Tech. I mean, they 12 nothing run in the final minute four to win by five. That's crazy. It was nuts. It was nuts. By the way, one of our listeners says, was that Alf laughing or Jay Walker? <laughs> hey, I'm Alf. Um. I could say of all the things that Hollywood has tried to reboot from back in the day, I'm glad they haven't tried to do Alf. Yeah. That was a moment in time. It worked, but it is not something that you want to try to recreate. It was, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. He loved the Beach Boys, though. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I, I, thinking of, like, some crazy finishes where the Cajuns were not on the right side of it, 
there was a, I think it was my first year with you guys, maybe 05. Cajuns were playing Troy. might have been 06. And the idea of like, this was in football, by the way. And there was another rough one in basketball, like two. The idea of icing a kicker by calling a timeout. That that's not something that's like it it feel at this point it feels like it's been around forever. But that really started in the like oh three, oh four. You started to see it a little in the NFL, and then you just saw like everybody do it for a couple of years. Now you see it there's a little more strategy to it. Like I think if you have multiple timeouts, that's the best way to that's the best spot to be in because you can do it once, and then they're not sure if you're going to do it again. Like, but I would, I would do it anyway. But I would always do it before they even get to kick it. I just want them thinking. But I remember the Cajuns called a timeout, and the guy missed the kick. Right, and it, and the Cajuns would have won, and then they made the kick. And so it, it it was the first moment where I was like, this just really backfired. And then I remember a basketball game a few years later at North Texas where David Dees hits. I mean, like, uh, 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 wasn't full court, but it was like three quarters court. Or? No, he was he was just past mid court. Okay, it so was, a half court shot. Yeah, it was about a forty footer. I mean, a, a wild shot, and it's like, and that at that point they hadn't won a, a road game yet in conference. It, it felt like a big moment, and like, man, they've been working hard. And then the the you know the refs looked at the monitor for what felt like twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and they wiped it off. I mean, those are some like heartbreakers where they're on the other side, but to be on the right side of a game with a with a wild ending, that's oh my word, Jay, or steal on the inbounds pass, that's good stuff. It was um it was a very satisfying win. ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Two six nine ten seventy seven is the phone number to call. Two six nine one zero seven seven Basketball Jones is uh, on line one. Let's hear from him. Welcome into the show. Good morning. Good morning, guys. It's it's so good to hear you guys together. By the way, I got a little feedback here. Sorry, Jones. Go ahead. You should be good okay. now. It's it's so good to hear you guys together this morning. It really is. After what I think Jay is one of the quickest best calls you've ever made. Because me and the big boy and the wives were watching it, and you had to be paying attention to see the, the deflection into butts, the collection of himself, one dribble, and get it over, like you guys brought out last night. Get it over, what is it, what's the big kid's name, Sally? or uh, Small, small. Small, and the kid could have just as well blocked it and or intimidated butts. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it, was, it was like scripted to the point. And, Jay, you've been very fortunate to make – quite a few and, and to, to experience some of those calls and I've been fortunate to be able to listen to you call them. And it uh it gives me the goosebumps. It gives me the frissons, like they say. The frissons. Like, like G, the big G says, but uh people have been recalling great endings and oh my God, uh <laughs> yesterday several will mention on different talk shows and I still remember the shot in the Texas U T drum in the NIT by, is it Carl Jordan? Was it Carl Jordan? I, um, yeah, I think it, I think it was. I always get, I get, I I get him him and Johnny Collins confused. Yes. Yes. But one of the other, that was one of the greatest shots that 
going way back, but I'm just showing how old I am. But, no, it's good to hear you guys talking hoops. I just want to say hello and uh, keep it up, guys. Enjoy listening to you. Thanks very much. Every, every Tuesday. Don't worry, we'll hurt your ears in a little bit. <laughs> um, Mike Aver, of course, who's a huge UL fan, was sending me a lot of memories. Um, Dion Rainey. In the Bobby Pascal years, a buzzer beater at Blackham against UAB in the that NIT. That was in, in the NIT, the first round of the NIT. It was it was UAB's first year playing, and Gene Bartow was their coach. And uh, yeah, they got to host, and Rainey Rainey hit one from the deep corner as time expired. It was I was there. It was um, I wasn't working, but it, boy, it was fun. See, a lot of them feel like either a buzzer beater or you erase a deficit in a short amount of time in terms of the ones you remember. That's why Saturday's game was so unique. It's like to steal an inbounds pass under your goal and and have a go-ahead bucket of a game that's not tied with .4 seconds left, you'll I I'd be willing to bet a lot of money you'll never call one like that again. I I I'll I'll, I'll share something with you. Um you know, coach Marlin you never see anything more than a fist pump from him. Okay, that's about that's about it. You know, um, Alfred Payton plays great defense. Harrow misses the shot. Cajuns beat Georgia State to go to the NCAA tournament. Good and Marlon and Marlon and Marlon gives a fist pump. I mean, that's about all you get out of him. So I texted him and I said, "Please tell me you did more than a fist pump." I said, "As a matter of fact." What I'm thinking about is Shooter from Hoosiers jumping up and down on the bed, and um, he and and he said, "Heard it right there in the old Philco," which is a line from from Hoosiers. And then he said, "No," he said he high fived Jenny and almost broke her wrist. <laughs> Take it easy there, Coach. Yeah, yeah. Take it easy there. So that but, so that was it, you know. Um, but no, I. It was, I can imagine, and, and and I thought about it, you know, as soon as we got on the bus and I had time to take a deep breath, I said, that had to be so hard for Coach Marlin to watch. And I know that, you know, that he had, uh, he had Brant and Coach Fox on with the ESPN Plus telecast. They do an excellent job, by the way. And, um, and then tuned into the postgame show. I'm sure of that too. But he, um. I, I, I just I would have loved to have had a camera and 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 watched him during the course of the game watching that game. Had to drive him crazy. Yeah. I think well after the game, once he was able to kind of collect himself and enjoy the moment, uh there there was a someone was in the house recording him. Uh what you gonna do with all that junk, all that junk inside your trunk? Now, isn't that a great lyric? Don't you wish you had thought of that? Oh yeah. I'm I'm a get 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 you drunk, get you love drunk off my hump, my hump, my hump, my hump, my hump, my hump. He'll he'll forever be mad at me about that. Glad he's feeling better, uh, Coach Mullen. Expected to return to the team tomorrow after uh, dealing with COVID nineteen and, uh, the, you know, with the win, Jay. That's what five in a row. They're now a top. The Sun Belt West, they're only a half game back of, I think, the best record overall in conference. So they are um, both the men and the women. I mean, they, Broadhead squad has won six straight. You look at the Sun Belt standings right now. As Coach Broadhead and Marlin were saying all season, 
the 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 Friday Saturday thing provides some difficulties that in a normal year you wouldn't have. But if you can just win a couple where you don't split and you went outright, you can climb the standings pretty fast. And we've seen it the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah, we really have. By the way, I just got a text from uh, from Steve, and he said Jones, it was indeed Carl Jordan. Um, that was, and it was the very next game after Rainey shot against UAB. But it was Jordan, Jordan, and uh, Jones was correct. All right, let's uh, two six nine ten seventy seven. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning, welcome into the show. Morning, guys. Good discussion. Uh, Jay, when I was watching the game <clears throat> and listening to you at the same time, my thought was, what's Coach Morris doing different here than what Coach Marlin would do? And I thought about the beginning of the second half in both games where uh, Texas State made a little run, and, uh, and uh, Coach Morris chose not to call timeouts because in the postgame he said, I want the guys to figure it out on their own. I'm not going to bail them out because they need that to grow. Would Coach Marlin have called timeout in those situations? Uh, in that particular situation, I you know that's a very good question. I've seen coach call timeout when the other team was making a run. I also have seen him not do it. So I can't I can't tell you whether he would have or not. Um, I remember that I made the comment that there was no timeout being called, um, and that was not to suggest that they should have called one because you know the. Brock is a pretty smart guy and the dumbest coach in America, smarter than I am. So, um, but no, I, I, I'm not sure that Coach Marlin would have um, called the the timeout in that situation. Yeah, so we'll never know unless we ask Bob himself. And, and you thought about him watching in his living room in his man cave, so he's called. <clears throat> and I was wondering, what's he saying? What are you doing, Brock? Or good job, Brock? Whatever. We'll never know. But I, I found it interesting. But I know. Coach Morris liked the idea of having multiple timeouts late in the game, even to have the one with 0.4 seconds to go to uh, set up his defense. So that's interesting how things would work out like that. And uh, I'll go back to uh, the uh, NIT game at Texas that y'all talked about with Carl Jordan. It, we don't recall on that. I mean, people know this. Texas actually had the last shot. Uh, I forget who it was, but it was a pretty well-known player who missed about a 10-footer off the baseline. And uh, – I don't know if they had a timeout now, from what I recall, they didn't. And after Jordan shot, the Longhorns ran it up the court. So those are great memories. Jay, you weren't there for what I think is, though, is the uh, maybe even a most likely, unlikely uh, call when Ryan Bannon was called it when they came from four down to beat ULM with five seconds to go. Yeah. Made two free throws, purposely jumped on a guy's back. That was not a good free throw shooter. Sure enough, he clanked them both and still hit the half court. So. That might be more unlikely a finish than the one we had uh, Saturday, but they're both up there and both great memories. Uh, I'll let you all talk to other people. Thanks. Favorite part of that call is the little girl that you hear in the background. Yes. If he does miss shot up, no good. Cajuns get the rebound. Stove, two, one. Stove with the heave from half court. And he got it! And he hit the shot! You have got to be kidding me! Jonathan Stove with a three-point heave from half court, and his prayer has been answered. I can barely believe what I just watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's something incredible that there's a little kid in the background. I don't believe it. No. 
A good job by Ryan there, man. I don't, I don't know. Oof, what a wild finish, man. What a wild finish, but uh, a good one. A good one. There's, are there, is there like games or calls that you're like, because you had another responsibility, you weren't able to call it that you wish you had been there? Like that one? Well, I think that's the first one. Okay, that, that, that's the biggest one right there. Um, God, I almost had a no-hitter, too. Yeah, I know. Gosh, I know. Gunner went down to the last out, and all I could think about was, I'm gonna be able to hold this over Jay's head forever. Yeah, I, 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 you know, and you know what? I thought about that. The I was just thinking about that the other day, about about the almost. Um, that would have been that might have beaten Stove had had you gotten that. But no, I'm not. I'm not thinking about. A whole lot of stuff that no most the the vast majority of them you were there yeah. but I mean you're you call ninety five percent of the men's sports so like I mean maybe more I'm just it's only when there's that overlap or an emergency so um, there are too many moments where you wouldn't have have been able to do it but uh, that stove one was I don't believe it <laughs> twenty minutes after the hour of uh, of eight o'clock ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Uh, there is a road hazard being reported on the corner of Bertrand Drive and Ambassador Caffrey, so and, be careful out there. And, and Jones to Mike Bear, LaSalle Thompson was the Texas player. Okay, who missed it. And all these uh, historians here. And, you know, the, something that's a little unusual is that the first win over Texas State was Bob Marlin's 200th win as the coach of the Cajuns, and he wasn't there. I know. I know. I saw that. I didn't even think about it, and then I saw it pop on social media that night, and I was like, hit a milestone from your couch. Not bad. That's not bad. Not bad. I And I think, and, and I got to double-check it, I think he's two behind Kermit Davis right now for, to become the Sun Belt's all-time winningest coach. Um, so there's a very good chance that's going to fall before the season's over with. Most win, most conference wins all time. Right. Good stuff. Well, they're playing well right now, and uh, now they head to Jonesboro this upcoming weekend. We'll see if they can keep things rolling. But um, things are going good right now for uh, for Cajun hoops. And appreciate Coach Murphy and uh, Coach Broadhead joining me last hour. And I know you got to uh, to have some chats with some of the staff last night over at Pete's. Learn anything new about that final sequence? No, I um, I I asked um, Coach Crow what he thought about the call against Cedric Russell. I didn't say anything when it happened because I didn't get a good look at it. But after seeing it a few times, I thought that should have been a no call because I don't think he was like right on him. The guy was to his side a little bit, and I just felt like that's something that you swallow the whistle on with with three seconds left and, and coach Crow agreed with that. Um, and so I was just curious as to whether he saw what I saw. Um, but no, I, I don't know that I, that I learned anything last night. Although, you know, with coach Broadhead, you know, he was talking about, you know, the way the bench came through for him against Texas state and, um, and some of the things that, that happened there that I learned something with, but, um, you know, I, I thought, and, and I'll say this, thought Brock Morris did an excellent job. 
um, in Coach Marlin's absence. I think he did a, a, a very good job in, in motivation, and I'm not going to get into some of the things that he said to the team like, you know, at the hotel during pregame meal because, you know, what, what happens there is, is confidential. But I thought he did an excellent job uh, in, in helping to motivate this team. I think he did a great job uh, during the game in being strategic about timeout calls. Uh, I thought he did a, a very good job handling the media afterwards, and I've said all of that to say this. Brock Morris, before it's all over with, is going to be a head coach in Division One somewhere. Um, How old is Brock? 34. Got a bright future in front of yes. him. Yes. Yes, he does. Got a bright future in front of him. Not sure all you listening have a bright future in the next segment, but here it comes. What's today, Jay? Uh, that would be Tuesday. What's your favorite thing on Tuesday? Terrible. Tune. Tuesday. On ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the great Scott show. Just heard a Zion Williamson liner there. And no, we will not talk about the Pelicans ice cold fourth quarter and another loss. Did it earlier in the show. We're going to do something else that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. Terrible tune Tuesday. You've been warned. I can go first this week, Jay. All right. Um, a decade that I lived through, that I that I spent a lot of time listening to music in. You know, I don't listen to as much music as I used to between this job and kids and various podcasts where I try to draw different ideas from. You know, back in the 90s, it was cassettes and CDs and let me buy it and let me listen a lot. And a friend of mine bought the soundtrack. I had a lot of soundtrack CDs too. Bought the soundtrack to the Mighty Morphin's Power Rangers, the movie. Apparently one came out a few years ago. I didn't even know. But one came out in 1995. And there was, it, was, it was a soundtrack that sold a lot of albums. It wasn't very good. But one of the songs on it was, for lack of better words, terrible. And it was a song that, uh, that charted um, around the world. I think it's best, highest ranking, maybe eighth in Finland, 11th in the UK. And it's a band from the UK. But it was top 20 in Australia, Belgium, Finland, Netherlands. They used to play it at school dances or parties that summer that I went to. Don't know why. Just, just horrendous. The name of the group is Shampoo. And... The U.S. record label said, this is the one we're going to try to make this group big in the U.S. This is the song we really need to put out there. This is the song that's going to get them big. And it, it, fortunately for all of us, it didn't get quite as big in the U.S. as it did elsewhere. But, but as we've talked about before, Jay, for a summer, it was, just, it, was, it was around. Most folks probably don't even remember it until now. This is Trouble. From 1994 by Shampoo on Terrible Tune Tuesday. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Something's come along and it's burst 
bubblegum pop music for you. Oof. There you have it. Terrible Tune Tuesday. You know, it was funny um, because last week when we did our debut, somebody said something about Terrible Tunes and some guy answered and he said, yeah, I kept waiting for you to talk baseball and instead you played all that. that that's just – and the reason that we – didn't talk baseball was because you had an interview set up with Matt Deggs for Tuesday morning, and then you played it a couple times. So there was no sense in us talking baseball because you were getting ready to. So, you know, the the, the next day you had the, the interview, and I'm sure he was a much happier dude. Oh, look, there's no question that we just angered people. By oh, oh, no, 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 no. We there, there are people out there that are PO'd. Uh, yes. So and, let's and, just and, do it and again. It's about, and it's about to get worse. You know, I'm doing a, a a thing right now on my uh, on my Facebook page of my top 100 songs of the 90s. Now, the 90s, early 90s, is when I got out of music radio, and and the, a lot of the music that I've learned to like from the 90s came kind of in retrospect. And to get ready for it, I've listened to a lot of 90s music on the radio. And I think in my countdown, I'm in the, like the mid 50s. You can share right some now. good ones. I mean, I, th- some of those, I see them on my timeline. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, today is uh, Shine, Collective Soul, uh, Jump Around, um, bah, 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 bah. which is stolen from uh, a song called bah. The Harlem Shuffle from back in the 60s. Um, and uh, those two, and I don't remember what third song is, but those are on the countdown today. And I, And that's a public page, so... Even if you're not my Facebook friend, you can follow me and you'll see it every day. Um, but the other day, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago maybe, I'm listening to 90s music on the radio and this song comes on and I'm going, my God, this is terrible. And I said, I'll never be able to remember the name of the song. And and But you helped me, okay? And, you and gave I, me one question. I knew exactly what it was. This song actually won a Grammy Award. It's a great song, Jay. For Best Music Video, an MTV Music Video Award. And the, the, the man is um, from the Netherlands named Lucas Seacon, and Seacon is spelled like the drug testing company. Um, and the album was called Lucas Centric and it came out in 1994, so the same year as that masterpiece that you just played. But, man, this is... I just thought it was bad. Okay, the man's name is Lucas. And the title of the song is Lucas with the lid off, Mm -hmm. which suggests to me that all his brains fell out. But maybe not. So here it is, Lucas with the lid off by Lucas. And it is today's Terrible Tune Tuesday. What about pop 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 Follow me, 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 follow me
bubble, bubble, bubbles up. Rock and follow me, rock and follow me, you know. Whatever bubbles, bubbles up. Rock and follow me, rock and follow me, you know. Whatever bubbles, bubbles up. Rock and follow me, rock and follow me, you know. Cord and I'll back rap my skullcap electric until I blow my top off and wrap my lyrics right around the global earlobes and all bit by bit I make it fit cause I'm hitting it myself together and whatever split for my format and after that I never stay the same and treat defeat like a doormat jump around on it I'm in the spread poetic confetti already open 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 up your skullcap and let it rain let it rain let it rain let it drain only I'm too cool to have a good time but really I'm a muted trumpet type of talk away Kind of the Stray Cats meets Snow's Informer. I can't lie, Jay. I, I like the song. Uh, good. Good for you. I do. Just brought me back to a time in my life, but I, but I, you know, had me smiling. Well, you know, the your yours had a friend of mine smiling, said that tune reminds me of Love Shack, so it's actually kind of cool. There you go. But that's uh, Lucas with the lid off by Lucas. That's right. Oh, by the way, the song in the countdown, I, I couldn't remember, it was Matchbox 23 AM. Oh, okay. But the name of that album, not the Matchbox one, but the 
the one that contained Lucas with the lid off by an artist named Lucas. The name of the album was Lucas Centric. Yep. I um the first on another note, Jay. First line, catch the vibes, the reggae and the ragtime. Speaking of stuff that sounds somewhat reggae, because of your countdown on your Facebook page, I mind I mean, I've probably heard their music my entire life. Until two weeks ago, I had no idea what UB40 looked like. But let me tell you, that was you were surprised. Not what I was expecting. You were surprised. I was you? like, "What? It's like this Irish looking dude? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. That 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 kind of that so kind of blew dude, my mind. White for a dudes moment. from the UK. You thought UB40 was like from Jamaica, man? I mean, well, I I thought they were. I thought they were from the US, and because I you I could tell they're kind of putting on the accent like a little bit. Like, I don't know. In my mind, I just, I did, just put it, they did not look like that in my mind. Mm-hmm. And everyone says, well, of course not. I mean, you think, I'm like, yeah, but sometimes you hear an artist and you see him and you're like, eh, it makes sense. I, mean, I didn't know what to expect, but I was just like, wait, I got it. I got to Then I started Googling the images. I'm like, wait, what? Wow. It's crazy. You get that a lot though, right? You're on the radio, Jay. You meet someone, they're like, oh, you're. You don't look anything like what oh, I thought. I can't. I can't imagine how many times I've heard that over the years. Sure, but and, like, and how many? And how many women said, "You know, you don't look." I really thought you were good looking. <laughs> <laughs> now that I believe, yeah. Um, see, it's different than like a musical artist because we, you see music videos. You, music tries to, uh, especially the big stars, they're 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 promoting an artist. So whether you realize it or not, your mind begins to imagine what an artist might look like probably based on what the record labels have fed us over the years my point is you're not going to be as surprised quite as often but when it comes to like radio especially somebody that's been in it as long as you like now social media and everything there's more people that know what djs or broadcasters look like right but when it comes to a radio broadcaster and talk radio they're never going to look like what you think because you're literally, it could be any image in your mind. The odds of it actually looking like something you expect are less than 1%. That is correct. Whereas if it's a music artist, it's different because you're, it makes a little more sense for the reasons I explained. So, yeah. Well, you know, like, like for instance, if, if you put on a Luther Vandross song and you close your eyes, you don't think of a white dude from the UK. No. Quarter to nine. Will betting be down or up this year in the Super Bowl? Well, got some numbers on that, plus some prop bets we're going to get Jay Walker's thoughts on. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show We're going to really get that guy mad because we're not talking baseball again this week. Well, baseball season is what, two weeks away? Two weeks from this Friday, yeah. And Jay will leave us next hour with one tidbit about UL baseball. Okay. One tidbit. Better think of something. Yeah. Next week, we'll uh, obviously next week, we'll jump into softball and baseball more. Super Bowl prop bets next.
What a great song that is. Even this version? No, that, that. Super Bowls this Sunday, Jay. Yep. Chiefs or Bucks? Who you like? Well, I mean, I don't know who's going to win, but I'm rooting for Kansas City. An estimated, according to David Purdom, 23.2 million Americans will bet on the Super Bowl. I will not be one of them. Up to potentially 4.3 billion dollars which will be a decrease of approximately 37% from wow. last year. So both projections are down, and uh, the pandemic cut into the amount wagered at retail sports books. I don't know. I would have almost expected it to be a little different. Well, it's like, well, you don't have anything else to do, but, you know, there are a lot of people out of work right now or, or working sparingly that, you know, used to put up a few shekels. And, and I guess they're betting responsibly. Good for them. Yep. Good for them. All right, some uh, prop bets here. Uh, the here tips. Not that I'm a better. I think two sided prop bets are good, right? A yes or no prop bet, or an over under prop bet. You, you got a you got much better odds of hitting that than a multiple sided prop bet. The ones that give you like eight options. You know, the color of the Gatorade. Um, the color of Patrick Mahomes' headband. Like, stay away from those. If you're going to lay something down on a prop bet, just just go with the two-sided one. Will Brady throw an interception? Yes or no? That's a prop bet. I'd say yeah. I'm going to say yes. You know, the overrunner on Mahomes' passing yards are good. I think the lotto really long-shot prop bets, like even though there have been safeties in Super Bowls recently – Stay away from those, but maybe lay down. If you can lay down one bet, do it like on a five to one or six to one. One long shot bet. Don't get carried away. I don't know what the first quarter over under is. I haven't seen that one. I'm sure it's somewhere. Believe it or not, most of the betting websites from places outside of this country are blocked in this building, so I can't get to them while I'm oh, on the air. I have to get to them, man, outside of this building. But whatever it is, go under. Why? Tom Brady's playing in what is tenth Super Bowl Sunday, Jay? Yeah. He's nine Super Bowls prior to this Sunday. You know how many first quarter points Tom Brady's team has scored in the first quarter of those nine Super Bowls? Um twenty six. Three. Really? Three wow. first quarter points. Not average, three total. Wow. So in terms of a prop bet of who scores the first touchdown, if it involves Tom Brady, I would I would not bet on that. Uh, no, you'd, you'd probably have to go with uh, Mr. Mahomes uh, in his crew. So, will there be a score in the first five minutes? Yes or no, prop bet, minus 110 either way. No, not in the first five minutes. First team to score, KC, minus 130, Tampa Bay, plus 110. I'm going to take Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mahomes prop bets. Again, the two-sided prop bets are the good ones. Over-under passing yards, 327 and a half. Under. It's a good defense he's playing. It is Patrick Mahomes, though. Over-under pass attempts, 40 and a half. Ooh, no, under. Longest completion, over-under, 39 and a half. I mean, dude, he could just toss it to Tyreek Hill and he could go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over. I think he's going to hit a long one. Now, rushing yards for Mahomes, over under 18 and a half. I got to go over, huh? 
much as as good of scrambler as he is? 18 and a half. Yeah, I'd probably go over two. But, you know, if he's got 20 and he's taken a knee the last couple. You know, <laughs> Pay attention. Here, come, here, come the, here, comes the bad, here comes the bad beat. Get you nervous. Travis Kelsey, receptions. Over, under, seven and a half. He might have 10. He might have 15. Daryl Williams. I like that kid. Good player, John Errett. Back up at LSU, back up at Kansas City, undrafted, but just just does the dirty work. Over under rushing attempts, eight and a half. Under. Tom Brady prop bets. Passing yards, over under 296 and a half. Over. This is my favorite one. Tom Brady, rushing yards. Over under. 0.5. Under, because if he's taking a knee at the end. <laughs> the over play is plus 140 if you win on that one. The under is minus 170. Uh, Leonard Fournette, who Darrell Williams used to back up. Now they're both starting in the Super Bowl against one another. Uh, rush attempts over under 11.5. I would go over. But he shares time. I'm going under. This isn't based on anything he did in the regular season. This right, is I'm going I'm going under. He he in the regular season, he was not good. In the playoffs, playoff Lenny's been been pretty dang good. All right. Um anytime touchdown score prop bets. So Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are both minus one sixty two. Let me give you some guys with some Bigger odds. Darrell Williams, plus 200. Whoa. Not bad if he gets in the end zone. Clyde Edwards, plus 175. Chris Godwin, plus 138. Leonard Fournette, plus 120. Mike Evans, plus 120. Aside from, well, some guys have better odds than others. If you were going to make a bet, where do you go? Geez, I don't know. I think I'd go with Williams because the Chiefs always just have random guys that score. Well, that's true. And the fact that the payout's plus 200, I think that's where I'd want to. I got you. The last score of the game will be touchdown minus 155, field goal or safety plus 135. It's a three-point uh, spread. Yeah, I, I think the uh, the last score is a, uh, is a field goal. Okay. Um, largest lead in the game, over under 14 and a half. Under. Even equal odds, but one way or the other at minus one ten. Um, total sacks by both by both teams over under four. Well, you know what you said that, and and what popped into my head was five. So I'm going over. I think I'm gonna go under. Mahomes just it's everyone says, oh, you almost sacked him. No, you didn't. Just because he released the ball right before you got to him doesn't you, mean you were you, close. You almost sacked him means you didn't sack him. Right. And it, it but there's this assumption that. Oh, he he could have thrown it sooner if anyone was open, but he didn't. He's just letting these routes continue because he can. Do they do they have a a, a prop bet on the length of the national anthem? They usually do. Yes. Over under one minute fifty nine seconds. It's interesting because you've got Jasmine Sullivan, who's been nominated for like twelve Grammy awards, is going to sing with Eric Church. So you got an R and B singer and a country singer singing together. 
And then her is going to do America the Beautiful. She's really good. And, uh, of course, The weekend has got the uh, the halftime mm. show. Mm. But mm. if both of them are singing together, I'm going over 155. Over is even odds. Under is minus 140. Not bad. Will either Church or Sullivan forget slash omit a word from the national anthem? Yes is plus 1,000. No, minus 5,000. Uh, no. It, so it seems unlikely, but with two people performing – you never know. Well, it, it, nobody's flubbed the national anthem, I think, since who? Christina Aguilera? Was she the last one to just flub the national anthem at the Super Bowl? I'm not sure. Probably. If you remember it that way. I'll trust your memory. I don't know why, but I will. I, I, I can I can tell you this. It wasn't Gaga. Um, Which player will be shown first during the national anthem, Brady or Mahomes? Uh, Brady. Kelsey or Gronk? Kelsey. No, Gronk. Reed or Arians? Um, Andy Reed. Reed. Andy Reed. All right. Those are some prop bets for you. Enjoy the game Sunday. Jay, it's always fun. Thanks for coming in on a Tuesday. Let's do it again next week. You got it, brother. I'll look forward to it. Baseball tidbit. Um, they're going to be able to pitch. There's your tidbit. Thank we'll you. Get, we'll get into more detail next week. Don't go anywhere. Steve's next will be on the game. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little...